5678. Hello and welcome to 5678, a podcast about dance training. My name is Rebecca Berstold and I'm here with Isaac Spencer. Hello. Hello. Welcome to this podcast. Thank you very much. How are you? I'm good. I'm very happy to be here. I'm very happy you're here. Um, we're at Nordance in Hannesand, where we both work at the moment. Me as a dancer and you as rehearsal director. For At the moment, for a piece that we just finished, our house is on fire. Correct. Yes, yeah. just for some context. Yeah, yeah. And maybe you could introduce yourself. Sure. Um, I'm Isaac Spencer, and um, as you said, currently I'm the rehearsal director at Nordance. Um, I come from the United States. I was born near Boston, Massachusetts. Um, and I live in Dresden, Germany. Mm. Let's see. I am a dancer. I'm a choreographer. I am a teacher, rehearsal director. Um, now my time is really concentrated in the studio, I would say. So I do a lot of things in the dance studio, whether that's teaching or making or coaching. So, um, which I'm very happy because I very much love the dance studio. Um, that's sort of a brief description. Yeah, it's perfect. And uh, we tried to start this interview by coming back. So I ask you, how did you start to dance? Oh, I like that question. Um, <clears throat> well, let's see, there's my version and then there's my mother's version. <laughs> and perhaps my version is a blend of those. So let's see um, how I started to dance. Well, um, first I should say my older sister is a musician and she played the viola. And she went to a school where there it was a magnet art school. So it's a public school in the city I grew up in. And basically, uh, normally you go to school in the neighborhood where you live. But this school was special for um, people who wanted to study music, drama, dance, and visual art. So she went to the school and at the end of the school year, they would have a recital and the music department would come and the orchestra would play and I found it very difficult to <laughs> sit through but my sister was there so oh look at her she's over there okay and then the drama department would present something which was okay but when the dance department <laughs> presented something oh my god I was completely transfixed on this on what they were doing I thought they were superheroes um, and I would go home and I would try and do what I saw. Um, so I became very much interested in that. That's how I started to get to know a little bit about dance. And what they were doing was, um, they were sort of just presenting a dance class in these recitals. So they would warm up on the stage, they'd go across the floor and they'd do a combination. And it was all girls in the in the uh, department at that time with black leotards and suntan tights um, and their hair pulled back and very disciplined and I thought oh, what is this um, but then the other side of it is I remember just dancing all the time at home um, whatever had to do with dance or movement um, dancing to MTV was a huge thing then there was a TV show in the 90s, early 90s, called In Living Color, a sketch comedy show. And before the commercial break, there was a DJ, and there were the dancers called the Fly Girls. And they would dance for about 30 seconds, and then the commercials would come. And when the commercials were over, it would cut to the Fly Girls dancing. And it was, it was 90s total, I mean, fluorescent crop tops, hot pants, and I... I would just sort of jump up and want to do the moves they were doing. So then my mom said to me, um, well, Isaac, do you want to 
maybe take a dance lesson. Do you want to take lessons? That's how I remember. She says that I came to her and said, Mom, I need to take dance lessons. Mm. Either way, I said yes or agreed. And she went into the phone book, the big yellow pages, and put on her, <laughs> her glasses, went to the phone on the wall, looked through the f uh, yellow pages, dance studios in Worcester, Massachusetts, where I'm from, called them and said, okay, how much is a, a beginning dance class? $10, okay, thank you. Picked up the phone, called the next one, oh, $9, thank you. She went through <laughs> until we got the cheapest class um, and said, yeah, my son would like to take dance. And they said, oh, that's great, but you know, there's no, there's no other boys. So um, she relayed that information to me and I said, yeah, I'll try it out. So I was in fifth grade, I was nine years old. And um, yeah, we went to the, the dance studio, which was called Joan Sherry Dance Center. And we walked in and it smelled like leather, dance shoes, ballet shoes, jazz shoes, hairspray, like this. And there were a lot of little girls running around. And I was like, oh, okay, what is this? And um, we went to the receptionist and she had to like look over the table to see me because I was very short and was like, oh, that's so wonderful that your son wants to take this, this class. And the class was 30 minutes of ballet and 30 minutes of tap, which I thought was a very, a rather like generous intro to dance <laughs> considering. Um, and she said, she said, you know, does he know he's the only boy? So my mother looked down and said, you know, you'll be the only boy. And I sort of gave her some gesture that, <laughs> relayed that I understood she relayed that back to Miss Green was the name of the receptionist because all her kids were in that studio anyway I decided to go I walked in the studio it was a little intimidating um, stood at the bar and the teacher started to show us like first position second position and tendu and plie and things and I remember thinking oh I got this it was a sensation of oh yeah almost like a memory. Mm. And that was kind of great because I never had that up until that point in my nine-year-old life. Um, and that that stayed as a kind of a strong memory. And then, mm, maybe I'm going too much in detail here, but it was, that first year was a little rocky. I remember I went for about a month and then I didn't go to class for about two months or so. I just, it was too much. It was sort of tricky to go there. First of all, commit to go there once a week. And then also, um, I didn't tell anyone that I was taking dance because it was sort of really not cool. Um, I remember telling my best friend, Priscilla, that, um, oh, I'm taking, I'm taking ballet class. And she was so supportive. Oh, that's great. But I kept it really under wraps, you know, and my family was forbidden from telling others because I felt like this is not cool it, um, but maybe also part of the allure was that it's a bit um, fringe <laughs> for a fifth grader to be taking ballet and tap but um, yeah and then I continued and I have to say my that first dance studio I went to which I trained at for I think seven years since I was from nine till about 16, my teacher was extremely supportive. Um, she, my family couldn't really afford to take more classes per week for me to take more classes per week. However, after my first year, she gave me a, a scholarship to return to the school and she would do a lot for me. We would have competitions in New York and I remember she would, I would stay in her hotel room and sleep on the floor and get up and go to the the workshops in the morning and then compete in the evening. And she kind of just made it happen, but she was also very demanding and very tough. Um, but she also, at a certain point, when I was around 15 or 16, she said to me, listen, Isaac, um, I, I can't teach you any more of the things you need to know to progress because I, it was a jazz studio. And then I started to become more interested in ballet and thinking, well, what is this? And, and, and wanted to have more information about that. And she said, this is something I can't offer you, but 
here's a list of schools that you should try out. So I was grateful for that as well. Um, and from there, I went to study at Walnut Hill School, which is um, a private school also in Massachusetts, where I'm from. And the program at that time was called ballet. So they had the ballet department, the theater department, the music department, creative writing. Um, and so I was in the ballet department, and that was actually quite wonderful, first of all, to be living as a young person exclusively with young artists um, was extremely formative, um, an extremely formative experience for me um, to think outside the box and to feel like, oh, wow, I belong with other weird people. And this was just extremely, um, it changed sort of my path. And then also as far as dance training is concerned, that's where I, I learned all of the names and positions in ballet. I had no idea before I went there. And I was really just like so enthusiastic to know, oh, this is quasi and this is efface and oh, okay. And my learning curve was quite extreme in that first fall semester there. Because um, also I was surrounded by other people who were very motivated and very just loved dancing. And um, so I'm very, very grateful to that, my first teacher, Joan Cherry, and then to um, going to the Walnut Hill School. And then from there, I moved to New York and studied at Juilliard. And um, that was a dream, actually. So, but I was very aware that that year at Walnut Hill sort of gave me um, the foundation to to be able to, um, well, not only to learn more about ballet technique in particular, but also I gained more confidence to be able to, I remember being nervous when I auditioned for Juilliard, but also just ecstatic. I thought, oh, I just want to be in the building. I want to be, I want to see the teachers. I want to see the faculty. I want to smell <laughs> the hallways, <laughs> you know, um, just sort of completely enthusiastic. Um, and yeah, and Juilliard, as, as the director at that time told me, uh, Benjamin Harcarvey, he, he sat me down in my first year and said, you know, Isaac, I think this is exactly the right place for you at the right time. And I know how rare that is. It's almost like a lottery. So I was um, very, very grateful to be there at that time. Um, I was mature enough somehow I don't know how, but somehow to be living in New York when I was 17 years old, but also still very open. I didn't know what I wanted to do exactly, and it didn't stress me. I just wanted to learn new things. And there I was introduced to so many, um, so many different choreographers, so many different teachers. My fellow students were and still are major inspirations. So... Um, yeah, I feel very, very fortunate that I was able to continue my education there. Do you remember what it was during these like earlier years? You said you started at nine and up until sixteen, maybe. Do you remember what the what was the thing with dance that made you want to do it? Well, um, I do recall, and it, the first glimpse I had was in that very first class that I told you, the sensation of, oh, yeah. Mm. So, oh, yeah, I remember this. Or, oh, yeah, this is familiar. And that became very addicting because I thought, oh, this is something, first of all, that I can do. They're showing me this, and I can do it. My body can do it, and I can remember it. Um, that was the first thing. But then I not to sound cliche, but I, I I didn't really kind of like where I grew up. I didn't feel so much like I belonged there. Um, but the studio was, I, I didn't think about it at all. It was zero concern. We were all kind of there to 
progress. And it was at least the group that I studied with for most of my early years. We all had these big dreams. We had we shared dreams of dancing and moving out of the city we're from and going somewhere else. And I guess to share, it was this sort of like space of optimism. And um, I also I've I've witnessed this in in for example my my niece who plays the violin and I've watched her practice sometimes and you can see when she's when she's playing and and reaches the the right pitch and can can sustain the note it's almost like her whole body just frees up into this alignment and there's no filter there's no judgment there's no interference no blocking and that's how i really recall as a young person in dance class sometimes you know in the combination at the end you had practiced and I didn't need to think about the steps, but I could just, I could think about something else or I could, I was doing it and people were responding to what I was doing. And um, that became a very safe and, and necessary element in my young, younger years. So, and also simply just the joy of moving. That's, yeah. You mentioned this first teacher of yours that gave you the opportunities and this optimism, but she, that she also was hard on you. Yeah. How, in what way was she hard on you? Oh, uh, well, let's see. Um, well, the classes were super demanding, first of all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sometimes, let's say, we always had this end-of-year recital. And sometimes before that recital, she would close all the windows of the studio. And mind you, this isn't, it always happened in June or early July, so it's hot. She'd close the windows of the studio, turn off the ventilation, and we would be doing, I don't know, push-ups, running around the studio, sweating. The mirror would <laughs> completely fog over and start to drip. Um, she was it, was, it was just like, again, 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 this kind of discipline bordering on <laughs> something, yeah, uh, a bit abusive. However, it never, ever went there. She was, and I'm grateful for it now because she was already demanding that we explore our physical um, range and endurance. And I think her father was a like a, a football coach or something, some kind of sports coach. And she had this mm. kind of um, excuse me drive in how she um, approached. And also, she wouldn't she wouldn't be afraid to scream at someone in the studio or kick them out of the studio. I mean, also as far as like discipline wise, um, she was not playing games or messing around. If you had if you were chewing gum, you're out mm. of the studio. If you had your hands crossed in front of your stomach, she'd say you're going to get a soft belly. No one wants a soft stomach get those hands, you know, these kind of things. And um but there's things that I still kind of run through my mind, which I'm grateful for. For example, when you're on stage, she would always tell us when you run off that stage, you run past the wings, out of the stage, run into the dressing room, like run all the way out. Or don't have, uh, don't ever come out into the public, into the auditorium with your costume and makeup on. You know, just there were these kind of rules that um, I'm grateful for now because, and this is, I think, the most important reason, is she genuinely cared for us because the flip side of that is what I mentioned before. She, for myself and for other students, if we couldn't pay for something, she found a way. You know, it was about um, growth. It was about progress. And sometimes it bordered <laughs> into um, something that wasn't so pleasant. Um but I also know that she she loved me very much, and she was 
She was rooting for me. I remember her stopping me in a class once. We were doing changement across the floor. I don't know how we were doing it <laughs> across the floor, but I just remember going across and I could suddenly jump. I just remember also like my eyebrows were raised. I was like, oh, how did I get up here? And she stopped the class and she was like, look at what you're doing. Mm. Look, you can go, look where you can go from here. You know, she, and I was like, whoa, okay, yeah. I want to, yeah, let's, what's next? Let's, let's keep going. So, mm. um, yeah. But I think also I have to say part of that, that it was demanding is what brought me back all the time. I thought, okay, I've overcome that. What's next? Yeah. And, um, yeah. I feel a bit like a lot has been said, but yeah. I'm still going to ask you again. Please. Could you mention something or some things that you are grateful for that your dance training has been training? Yeah, for sure. Um, well, <clears throat> one general thing is that... Um, from from a very early age or from nine years old on, um, it became very familiar and very much like home to learn and be vulnerable and search for something in a group. And I'm very grateful that I, I've pretty much always been practicing or learning to dance in a group. Um, the ability to listen and to see and to sense and hopefully empathize with other people as you're in a in a process is something I think is very very valuable and I was quite aware of the difference between dance training and let's say um, learning music when I was studying in New York because I would see these my fellow musicians in a practice room alone for hours and hours and hours. And I can understand that as well because I, we have that element of rigor and practice in what we do as dancers. But it's a social thing. There's a social element that is really, really important and vital. Um, and I, I, I see how that can transfer into other areas of my life. Um, That's one thing I'm grateful for. The other thing which I often tell a lot of my students is like, is what we do is, is a positive act. It's, it's, it's something that I do believe is good for the planet and good for other people um, in, that, in that simple definition. Um, But that's not really answering your question because your <laughs> the question was things that it's taught me. Um, it's taught dance training has also taught me. Um, it's given me a way to face doubt regularly, and not run from it. Always, <laughs> so um, because it's very can be very intimidating. Um, being in a group of excellent people and questioning your ability or having a, a scary teacher or choreographer come, someone who's famous or, you know, all of these things. It's, a, it's really been a practice to be able to face that. And I appreciate that because I have progressed. I'm not rid of doubt when I create something or when, I, when I'm teaching a new group. It's also scary sometimes. But somehow... I'm familiar with this feeling. So I have ways to digest it or overcome it or handle it. Yeah, great. <laughs> so as we said, you're rehearsal director here now and we have just been on tour. So you have taught us a lot of classes. And uh, often we start your class by a practice that you do that is called five minute dance so you have a track that is approximately five minutes and we dance 
and uh, after that the class continues into more structured movements you could maybe call it exercises like hip opening and some mm-hmm. stretching and strengthening and so on and while we do that you often have instructions that are something like uh, maybe this is a dance what if you continue to dance and i was wondering if we could describe that experience like what is it to dance a push-up mm-hmm. and what is dancing in this instruction when you say continue dancing mm-hmm. yeah um well the proposal is or what i my hypothesis is that let's say you start your dancing day by allowing whatever is there to emerge and we limit it to five minutes so that we can also try other things so as we go into the um, structured or set exercises after that five minute dance i'm encouraging the dancers to see what they can take over if anything if the five minute dance had a lot to do with rhythm how can that participate in the exercises the exercises are also relatively simple and they're repetitive which gives you the chance to um do several things at once quite simply and i find that's an interesting thing to practice as a dancer um whether it's a a quality you're dancing or a set material or some kind of score that you can allow other influences to enter and deal with them so um and maybe it's also um personal somehow because it's an experience i've had where um I'm, I th- I described it earlier actually where you're dancing something and that material or that starting point delivers you to somewhere completely else. So maybe I started with just working with my bones and then through that process I've been transported into a whole nother um, way of looking at the space or looking at other dancers or feeling my body or sensing time or sensing my body. Um, and i find or i'm i'm curious in in the classes i'm offering can we do that together first of all and can we do that in a in a systematic way um and i'm not sure but i think uh, what i what i enjoy in in this role as rehearsal director is i have we have the chance to experiment and develop something so it's not just a week or two weeks in this case it's been four months so we can start in august where are we in september where are we after where we've been influenced by the visiting choreographer by visit visiting artists what what traces has that left in our body what are we missing that we can give space um space for that to emerge in the class so yeah and and i say um allow could this be a dance or i try to plug the word dance a lot mm. in the class because i really like the word <laughs> it has a um a very positive connotation or i have a positive association um and i like to also remind yes sometimes i propose things like uh, push-ups or maybe things from yoga or but those are only frames for us to dance in um and how can you dance that what is dancing in that um just also in in this setting in a company i think it's valuable that you sort of open up as many dance channels or you really open up one dance channel for that day um so that's a bit my proposal with that mm but uh, i because i have the experience 
that as you say I can do a push up without dancing it I can do yoga without dancing it but I can also do yoga while dancing mm. and mm, like what is specific about that being that is dancing yeah that's a really good question um well you have your intention first of all mm. um when your in- intention is to move a chair across your kitchen it's to move it functionally but if your intention would be to i don't know <laughs> in invite some kind of somatic process with that or uh, um something beyond just the function that's mm. one example but i guess f- that's not even the best example i think um at the moment i would describe it as inviting other or inviting more or inviting something else into it because and not even having to name it because i'm just very curious if you if you get into a practice of that what what can that bring mm. for your for your creative your creation later on or and now i'm kind of stuck in our uh institutional system because we have the class in the morning and then we create but regardless of that um maybe i should put it more s- in a different way um i guess it's just kind of looking at something from different angles quite simply but i think when you ask what is that being i think th- the the answers come in approaching it how do you approach it and i think one great way is embodying it and doing it and that's um why in the class we can it's also valuable super valuable to practice different coordinations and different timings and um but sometimes it's it's also very valuable when when the movement is relatively simple to just see what is this what how am i doing this wait why does this feel like dancing while doing because i have to say this is something i i admire in performers and i i love when dancing myself is this process of deepening or investigating while you're doing it and i find that also as a, a viewer very very compelling um because i can't name it mm. it's sort of evolving and shifting as i am there experiencing it and that's something i guess because that's that's a very central mm, part of my dancing practice of of developing what i'm doing while i'm doing it investigating it while i'm doing it that's why it's um i've been looking at different ways to to practice that within the the class in the training um and i think especially in in the class it's it's not at all important to name it or categorize it but to be doing it um and we have the the ability here to establish sort of daily routines that we can visit weekly or when we're on tour for 6 weeks and um that's an opportunity i think to deepen deepen things like that because mm-hmm. otherwise um yeah you meet the teacher you meet the artist for a short period of time it's difficult to yeah to have an ongoing process yeah sometimes with the dancing state i can feel that right after i can be like oh it happened mm. but as you say like while in it i'm i'm so <laughs> so in it that i almost can't name that it's even happening because yeah. i'm just mm, yeah inside of it yeah oh. that reminds me just going back to a question you had before of what is dance taught me it's also um really to to give up on trying to repeat things or or trying to having this expectation of of being able to do something 
or reach something and it maintain because dance has definitely taught me that about it's really different every day of course you have consistency in in certain things but um to sort of shift that that's not the goal mm. um and yeah it moves yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> it shifts it changes Another question that is somehow relating. I was reading your bio mm -hmm. and it uh, starts like this. Isaac Spencer is a dancer. He dedicates his time to performing, teaching and making dances. Um, I think it's beautiful. And I wanted to ask, is it important for you to position yourself as a dancer? And what does it do for your work? Well... Um, I, I was just met with all of these um, sort of demands when I moved to Germany of even just for like sort of paperwork, like click a box. Are you a dancer? Are you a choreographer? Are you a teacher? Um, or yeah, in certain applications asking for this. So I was busy with this question, well, what what am I? Because I teach and I initiate and make projects. I choreograph things. But I'm also on stage, dancing. And I got tired of <laughs> always saying, I'm a dancer, I'm a teacher, I'm a choreographer, you know, sort of listing all those things. And then I thought about musicians, where it's just like, I'm a musician. Mm. Okay, I play the clarinet or I sing or... And I just liked that. Um, also because it has what they do in the word music. <laughs> <laughs> and then I sort of went on this trip of just like reclaiming that I'm a dancer because also there is this little bit of glowing, um, this glowing happy feeling because I, I wanted to be a dancer. Like I told you in the beginning, I saw dancers on stage and I thought, oh, that's what I want to be. And I knew it when I was quite young. And then I woke up and I was like, you are a dancer. You're doing it. <laughs> Relax. Um, and then when I had to make my website, I thought, you know what? I'm, I'm still really, really happy to say that I'm a dancer and to beyond just say it, to know that. And what do I actually do? I dance. I make dances to teach dance to other people. I learned to dance from other people who made dances. Um, and I also, of course, make dances sometimes. So it's, it's in that way, I find it relatively simple in my respect, because that's really my, my focus is really, really still on dancing. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm quite happy with that. Actually, I'm thrilled, <laughs> I'm really thrilled to be a dancer. So sometimes I'm teaching it, sometimes I'm coaching it, sometimes I'm mentoring it, sometimes I'm writing about it, but it's um, it's because I am a dancer. Yeah, no follow-up <laughs> question. I just wanted yeah. to hear that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and also just to say that sort of bio that you read from or on my website, I think that was also a document of where I was at that point, I also needed to reaffirm that for myself or confirm that. And even <laughs> how it sounds, it sounds a little sort of like a proclamation, but I, I was it. Just, Isaac Spencer is a dancer, period. Period, <laughs> yeah. That's the full sentence. <laughs> because it, you know, that sentence I was like, yeah, yeah, I can sign that. And um, yeah, let's see how it will be in 10 years from now. But I kind of think it'll be the same. But <laughs> let's see. Yeah. So as a dancer, you are also a rehearsal director here. Correct, yeah. <laughs> and as a rehearsal director here, you program our morning training. Yes. And um, this podcast being about dance training, I wanted to ask you about that process. How do you think when you are planning morning training for 
a company like Nordans? Um, well, I think for Nordans, for the dancers who are here now that we've that have been working with, it's really a pleasure because um, to to program it uh, because it, first of all you're v- relatively transparent and clear about um, what you're interested in and but more more than that you're very open truly open to try to say okay yeah let's try it um, so that that sort of gives me that relieves me from any worry about okay how will this go over so um, I I really enjoy curating the guest teachers because it's an opportunity um, first of all for me to try and support artists who I really really like um, to give them the opportunity to share their work and their practice with you all um, so I'm thinking along that lines I'm thinking a bit of variety of course because I think it just helps them sometimes monotony of being um, in a company going with the same people every day to the same place um, and I'm also looking a little bit for maybe areas or corners of of dancing practices or somatic practices that are not so illuminated at the moment in the work you're doing so things that can offer really a different perspective um, and that's been my process. Of course, then there's just the kind of boring practical process of puzzling it all together. Um, but that seems to work out. And also there's there's colleagues and contacts that I want them to be in contact with you all as artists, not just what they can bring to you, but I think you're very dynamic and stimulating group, and I think it will challenge and and sort of give an impulse to their teaching practices. So, um, yeah, I like that very much. I see the classes here at Nordans also really almost like workshops. It, it, I, don't, I never have the feeling that someone comes and gives class in that sense of kind of come and get warm and go about your day. It's There's always dimension to to what the teachers are offering and how the dancers respond so this is um, yeah it makes it quite an artistic process process for me about choosing and um, yeah making a very uh, dimensional program Mm. for the season. It's interesting to think about the training as complementing to the artistic work that we do at the moment rather than you practice in the morning what you're later going to do. Right, exactly. But we also had a really nice conversation some of the dancers about that. Like, what is the relation? Because it can be you practice, uh, I don't know, a certain step <laughs> the yeah. whole morning and then it's like but we're not gonna do this step yeah but relating to what you said before to like transport different experiences and information between different practices right yeah that's also something i experienced uh, in Kohlberg sometimes that the and sometimes it was a topic that caused a lot of tension between the dancers and the rehearsal directors that why are we doing this in class and we have to do this in the in the afternoon but there were some times where um, they were kind of polar opposites and I found it as a dancer very fulfilling and rewarding sometimes um, because I, I got prepared I got hungry for the work in the afternoon um, or I got hungry for the class it, it created sometimes a balance, mm. um, but the key for for this to work is very simple. They have to be great teachers, because it, it it's really that simple. I, in my view, um, then it's just you. Yeah, 
you as a dancer you have this very full experience to start your day and i guess that's also why the five minute dance um has entered my practice i do think it's very precious how you begin mm. it's really really important how you begin um maybe precious is the wrong word it can be anything but it 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 needs some thought it needs some preparation and some care in some way of your entrance even though you do it every day um i find it very very important so in that way i also try and think okay how are we going to start all these days yeah when i'm curating the teachers and it's also simply nice to have a lot of contacts and somehow a lot of my former colleagues or close friends are teachers now so it's nice to sort of open my network mm. to the the company here apologies for big question but what is a great teacher in your that's great a great question um a great teacher um well i think it's a there's a lot of things um needed and there's a lot of things i, I uh, a great teacher that's a hard question <laughs> yeah rebecca that's a really hard question <laughs> but i do maybe i do a silly example it's like uh the question about or that the statement about music i keep going back to music but there's good music and then there's the other kinds of music and in a way <laughs> it's like a little bit like that like there's there's good teachers and then there's the others <laughs> um but what that means i mean for me it means of course being prepared um that's a little bit boring it's it's way more than that it's um genuine interest curiosity in this case in dancing um being very aware that you don't know any better than the students um truly wanting to learn from your students truly because it sounds good and people would like to say that um but that that real urge to continue. I mean, I think of some teachers I had they never stopped going to see performances. Um I was reading an article yesterday about a very influential and wonderful teacher from New York who used to run the dance division at the Juilliard School Martha Hill and she would she would ask the students when she was in her 60s what they're busy with. She would look at the TV programs they were looking at. She wanted to understand who they were so that she could teach them better hmm. and not assume that her way was the right way or so i guess f- like a maybe general but very important aspect is evolving continually um it's essential um and not knowing you're a great teacher not being busy with that you know that's not at all important um but these are themes i guess i'm i'm kind of busy with now because i i truly believe it doesn't matter what it is you're teaching it's how it's how you do it in your intention and your um your drive and that's also sometimes in my class i'm wondering i i brought it up at the beginning of this season it perhaps it doesn't matter what it is you're doing if it's shaking or walking in around the studio or running or but it's in in how you're feeding that process and yeah yeah mm something else i would like to talk with you about is mentorship because i know that you've been working with that mm-hmm. and 
maybe just what does mentorship mean to you and how is it different from teaching? Mentorship, the let's say the explanation that I'm that resonates for me at the moment is um, accompanying an artist on their journey. So you're you're accompanying them. They're calling the shots. They're pointing the way, but you're there to maybe illuminate the dark spots or um, pause or turn around or um, speed up or or be silent next to them um, or leave them and come back a little bit later. So, so many different ways, but I like, for me, that's the, the closest image I have is really accompanying them. And it's different from teaching um, because um, they're not you don't necessarily need to be clear about what it is you want to learn in a mentorship relationship um, it has different rules about duration of that relationship and and how um, and yeah. It was interesting in my experience, some of my teachers later then became my mentors. And I guess in that way it functioned. There was this trust in this relationship because we had been teacher-student for some time. But then it evolved, it got more rich. We were sort of released of that that bond. Um, Do you have a mentor? No. I have, uh, I have people in my life who mentor me or are engaged in mentoring mm. at certain times. Um, but right now I don't have a mentor but I want one or two or three <laughs> um, how do you get one well I'm hoping this podcast will <laughs> attract <laughs> some eligible mentors um, well you can approach you can approach people um, who are maybe mentoring you in some aspect uh, it's interesting because we I was part of this team that wrote this mentorship toolbox between Sight in Stockholm and Mark in Skåne. And we came up with really, it's a toolbox actually, several tools are exactly to find a mentor. For a mentor to find a mentee or a mentee to find a mentor. Um, but you can ask or you can ask someone who has a mentor. <laughs> can I also have this mentor? Um, we were also looking at to sort of re-examine this classical idea of the mentor who is accomplished and older um, and the younger sort of mentee but actually looking at it as a kid that has nothing to do with mentorship and, and being engaged in that relationship so that's a really, really good question. But I, unfortunately, some of my mentors have passed away in the last years. But I think I'm also realizing that I have a pool of people that I go to with my concerns or my when I'm blocked. And essentially, they're mentoring. Um, so perhaps I just want the kind of simplicity of saying this is my mentor Mr. X yeah. or Mrs. Y whatever but I actually I have I'm I'm having that support great my last uh, question that I always apologize a bit for I'm not gonna do it 
You already know the question. Yeah, I know the question. <laughs> what is a good dancer? Yeah. So I thought, um, of course, I knew this question was coming. <laughs> and um, I didn't want to just say, oh, it's impossible to answer. Because it kind of is. But I wanted to push myself to come with an answer. Um, so here I go. Um But there's a preface. Uh, <laughs> I think the good dancer is not busy at all with being a good dancer. But then I thought about that. I thought, actually, the only person who can um, decide who a good dancer is is the dancer themselves. So, um, but what makes that? I think there are some tendencies. I thought to go that route. These are tendencies that I have observed. Um, they are never being satisfied. And that can sound a bit like beating yourself up. and But I think it's not being busy with being satisfied. So not looking to be, ah, okay, I got that. That's not part of the the agreement. Um, that's different from wanting credit or, I think that's why it's good to be like, oh yeah, that was good. I did good. That's totally part of it. But um, not searching for satisfaction in learning to dance or dancing. Maybe. Um, I think what makes a good dancer is um, when d dancing has the ability to completely alter your mood, your day, your emotional status but not only that other tendencies um, it's so hard it's so hard but you know when I was also thinking it's also should be so simple Yeah, should it? I don't know. Yeah. It should be so simple to answer, like, um, for me. I guess, oh, this is so hard. I want to start off. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought about it so many times, like, okay, what, what is it? Um, still, I go back to not being busy with Is this good or bad? It's a... Um, or mediocre. Or whatever. Mm. But doing it. Yeah, how about that? What makes a good dancer is doing it. And I, I'll go on the... The edge to say, and sticking with it. Like really sticking with it, because um, it changes. It sometimes it's not the best thing in your life, or or it's not the most satisfying act to be busy with, or the conditions around it aren't agreeable. Maybe that's it. Really doing it sticking with it and sharing it would be the last thing I would dare to say. So I sum it up in that way. A good dancer dances, continues to dance, and shares dancing with others. Yeah. Are you a good dancer? Oh, 
<laughs> like I said, Isaac Spencer is a dancer. <laughs> no. Um, I think I'm a pretty good dancer. I would say, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, there's, but you know, it's so w strange that there's this resistance to, yeah. to say that, you know? Um, I always wonder, like, if I was a, I wish I was a good singer, but if I was, would I say it? I always think I would say, yeah, <laughs> I can really, I can really do this. Um, but yeah, I would say that. I will go out and say that. But, um, there was a point, it's interesting, there was a point maybe in in my training where that was important. It was important to know, am I good at this mm. from the outside? And then you get little awards or you get things that say, yeah, other people think you're pretty good. Um, at some point that was helpful for me to continue doing it. Um, but... Yeah, there's resistance inside to even tackle the question. Yeah. Um, but of course, every time I watch a video of myself, I'm like, oh, you are horrible <laughs> and awful. Why are you doing this? Really? So uh, here in the safety of this conference room, I can just <laughs> blurt it out and then regret it the whole time walking <laughs> home. <laughs> but yeah. I yeah. In my understanding now, it's about doing. So keep doing it. Keep dancing. Stick with it. Stick with it. Share it. Yeah, share it, please. Um, Is there anything else you would like to be asked or? ask or add no I just there was one thing I wanted to add um, maybe it related to a question you had earlier but I have to say I really I really like the name of this podcast 5678 because for me that's what it's uh, also when I was listening to the one with Anna Grip about don't try but do and going on a little bit with what I'm saying now, but sticking to it and sharing it. It's like, for me, that's encapsulated in five, six, seven, eight. Like you have your five, six, seven, eight, and then go. Mm. <laughs> and there's also this suspense about five, six, seven, eight, go. And now you're doing it. You're not, it's not a, a run through. You're not planning it. You're, you're on, mm. you're on, it's you. Um, and I remember it like very often uh, when I was a child at home, you just hear from some room, five, six, seven, eight. And I was just doing something <laughs> somewhere. It was just these four counts. They just get me so ready. And <laughs> all the different ways you can say it, like with the five, six, five, six, seven, eight. You know, this kind of, you get this real buildup to go. Um, but it's, I like that about it because it's, that's also, oh, now things are coming to me about, about training. What do you get from your training? This five, six, seven, eight, you get like, you're on now. Go. It's, a, it, it's okay. Go. Um, and you get used to just going full out, not, not caring, not second guessing. Um, and I find that valuable uh, in, in my life, <laughs> you know? Um, but I really, I really do like that as a title, because it for me it's I, that's the studio. That's doing it. That's being around other people who you watch them and they're going for it. Yeah. They're doing it. They did it. They could when they walked in they couldn't do that, and after that little five six seven eight, they've, they're different. Mm. So and we're on it together. Five six yes. seven. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, and those are like the little, I also find it like a little treasure of what we do. Those four numbers kind of evoke this very positive, very unifying sentiment. So, 
Good job with the title. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you. Thank you.